Hey there and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton and today I am really excited to be here with author, illustrator, graphic designer, and lettering artist Jennifer Tucker. Jen is the author of the book Breath as Prayer where she shares a prayer practice called Breath Prayer that has helped her tremendously in her own life and I am really excited to talk with her about today. So Jen, thank you for joining us here today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, before we get into your book and just talking about breath prayer, mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to feel close to God? Yeah, I, I saw that question. I thought about that. And it, I don't know that I have a place because for me, it's not so much where I am. More, It's more about quieting my soul wherever I am. Um, actually, where I am right now in my living room on this side of the couch is kind of where I end up praying a lot because I'll start my, I'll do my devotions here. My Bible and my books are nearby and I'll journal. And this is where I do a lot of prayer, but really it's not about the place I am so much as I have to quiet my soul because I get full of all kinds of thoughts and full of the busyness of the day. And so for me, it's more about slowing down and focusing on my prayer um, is how I feel closer to God in that way. That is good. We've never had that before. We get a lot of different answers and it's really neat to see all the different things that come out, the similarities and then the things that come out that are different. But I love that because, you know, there've been a lot of people that have said, well, I kind of pray everywhere. I don't have one specific place, but, um, that is so important just even before we sat down today. I mean, this morning has been just like a whirlwind and I thought we, I'm, I'm just frazzled and mm -hmm. you're right that that is a great first step as we carry our prayer closet around with us mm -hmm. to just remember that it's, it's always available, but that we, you know, that as long as we have those tools to kind of quiet ourselves and refocus, that's mm -hmm. good. That's really good. Well, um, your book is called Breath as Prayer, and in it you describe this, this practice of prayer called breath prayer that you've found extremely helpful in your own life. So can you just tell us how did you discover this and, and what makes the Christian version of this different from other um, breath work and other faith or health practices? Because I know some people might hear this word and think, Ooh, what is that? I don't, didn't read that in the Bible. Is this yeah. okay? So tell right. us that whole story. Yeah. Well, um, I had not heard, I didn't grow up with any kind of real liturgical practices, contemplative prayer, those type of things. I didn't grow up around that. And so breath prayer was a new idea to me. And I just happened to stumble upon it. Um, about four years ago, my youngest daughter, she was 13 at the time was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And she was having severe panic attacks. And we were working with therapists and doctors and everything to try to help her learn how to manage her anxiety. Through that process, I had to get real honest with my own struggles with anxiety and learn how to manage them in more healthy ways myself. And in that process, we learned about the importance of the breath and how breathing is the bridge between the brain and the body and how slowing our breath can literally calm our nervous system and calm that the physical symptoms of anxiety. And so I already knew, and I had a little bit of some breathing exercises and a little bit of foundation there, but I was researching for other ideas because, um, and so tons of Google searches and tons of just trying to figure out, okay, what are all these, what, how else can we manage anxiety? And I just happened to stumble upon a blog post or something online about breath prayer. And it just really intrigued me from the get go because 
it incorporates both breathing, which we had already learned, slowing your breath helps calm the body, but combining that with prayer, where you're turning your focus toward Christ, you're turning your focus toward truth that's rooted in God's word. And it just, it combined both sides of it for me, because for whatever reason, sometimes we tend to separate science, medical stuff from Bible, spiritual faith stuff, but really it's all so very integrated and God made our bodies that way, very integrated, very interconnected. Um, what's happening in our body is going to affect what's happening in our mind and vice versa, which in turn affects our soul condition too. And so all of that kind of loops around and it's all a big, all interconnected circle. So for me, breath prayer kind of brought it together for me and made the breath work that I was already doing so much more. Um, it just had a greater impact on me in managing my anxiety. Now I will say I didn't get super consistent with praying breath prayers, um, until last year, which I can get into later. But as far as what breath prayers are and the difference between Christian breath prayer and other breath work, because it's true, there's a lot of health practices and religious practices that incorporate breath work and meditative practices into their, um, what they do. Um, the difference in Christian breath prayer, which is nothing new, by the way, it has been around for thousands of years. Christians have practiced this through the centuries. And so it's not something that I came up with. It's not something that's new age or, um, Eastern religious. It's really rooted in scripture. Um, but the difference is with other breath work and meditative practices, the goal is pretty much look in inside for peace, look internally for the answers um, to or clear your mind of all thoughts to reach some kind of state of nirvana. And that's where peace comes from is just emptying the mind. Um, with Christian breath prayer, we're kind of doing the opposite though. Instead of trying to empty the mind, we're going to fill the mind with God's truth. Like we're going to focus our mind in on what is true. What does God's word say and turn our mind toward Christ. And instead of it being where we're looking inside for answers and peace, with Christian breath prayer, we're recognizing that we need to look toward God for our source of peace. He is our true source of peace. And so we're turning to him to accept his peace that only he can give. And it's a peace that is unlike any other kind of peace. And so with Christian breath prayer, um, yes, you're breathing slowly. Yes, you're repeating the prayers, but it's not in a mantra meditative way. It's not in a humanistic new agey kind of way it literally is meditating on god's word which the bible tells us to do meditate on his word day and night mm -hmm. we repeat the words of scripture so we can hide it and tuck it in our heart so that in those times of high anxiety the holy spirit can bring it to our mind um and it just as we breathe deeply and calming our body we're strengthening our faith as we turn to Christ in prayer. And so Christian breath prayer is very rooted in scripture, very focused on God, very much turning to him for peace in times of anxiety or stress, or even just every day. And so Christian breath prayer is different than other meditative practices. Breath work alone is helpful to calming the body. But for me, adding in the prayer piece where you're connecting to God just makes it so much more significant for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it, it's all the difference. But the great thing is, I know Alana and I on this podcast love talking about the intersection of science and spirituality, because like you said, we are, I mean, God created our bodies and, and science is simply trying to discover from the world side, 
who God is really. I mean, as, as yeah. a, a, with a background in science, that's how I see it is I'm looking for God. I'm seeing mm -hmm. God in all of it and we don't always get it right. But mm -hmm. on the other side, you have spirituality and you have biblical revelation and, and we're looking at, at the world from God's side and God's point of view. And the two will converge if mm -hmm. you interpret both correctly. So I just mm -hmm. love it. But mm -hmm. do you have any more insights into that science of how breathing actually helps in yeah. a scientific way? What is right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will not, I'll be the first to say I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor or a therapist. I am a mom with anxiety who has a kid with anxiety. And we've learned these things through, I've read a million books and articles and um, different things. But from what I've learned about the breath and what we've been taught from psychiatrists and therapists, um, like I said, one of the main phrases they first, like one of the very first things they told us is breathing is the bridge between the brain and the body. Yeah. We have this nervous system, the autonomic nervous system that helps our body, connects our brain to the organs in our body, tells our heart to beat, tells our lungs to breathe. All those automatic systems in our body, our brain is controlling. We don't have to really think about it. We can't really like, Hey, heartbeat. We don't have to, our body just does it, you know? Um, so that's our autonomic nervous system. Part of that autonomic nervous system is we have a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic nervous system. Our sympathetic nervous system gets activated when our body senses any kind of threat or danger or stress, which can interpret as some kind of threat to us. And what what happens when our sympathetic nervous system gets activated is our heart rate will increase, our breathing will get more rapid. A lot of times we'll have different physical symptoms. Like for me, sometimes my, I'll get shaky. I'll start sweating. Um, lots of different things can happen. Different people have different symptoms, but what it is and hormones are being released and all kinds of complex things are happening in our brain and our body to prepare our body to respond, to keep us safe. And that's by intention. God gave us this amazing system to help us. Like if we're, I keep saying the same thing, but if we're like hiking in the mountains and a bear comes across our path, we don't need to stop and think through logically what to do. Your body's going to react immediately and respond to that danger to get you to safety. And so what's happening when we get super anxious or when that nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system is getting revved up is it's getting ready to respond, helping prepare us to make, to respond, to keep us safe. Um, the thing is, is sometimes we get <laughs> our anxiety will get revved up and that nervous system will get activated when really there's not a threat to us. And really like we just, we live in a fallen world with broken bodies that don't always function the way God originally intended. Um, it's true with, it could happen with, we're all prone to illness and disease and dysfunction and the brain and the nervous system is no exception to that. So sometimes our nervous system will get revved up for something that really isn't a threat, or um, maybe it's extra sensitive and we're just prone to dysregulation. And so you might find yourself feeling anxious and you don't know why, like you're having these symptoms and you don't have any idea why. What breathing does, breathing is one of those automatic systems that Yes, we can do it without thinking. And usually we breathe all day long without really giving it much conscious thought, but we can also consciously change our breathing. It's one of the few things we can consciously control. Mm -hmm. So we can choose to breathe rapid and shallow, or we can choose to breathe slow and deep. If we focus on it, we can, we can change our breathing. And what that does is we have 
part of the parasympathetic nervous, the converse side of the sympathetic is these vagus nerves that connect to all these organs and it connects to the lungs and goes straight, sends signals straight to the brain. And what happens when we slow our breathing is it's sending signals through the, our nervous system that, Hey, we're safe and it's okay. And the amygdala in our brain, which is that emotional brain that had gotten revved up and getting us ready to respond automatically, it starts to calm down. And then the thinking side of our brain can start to take over again. Cause when you're, when your anxiety is up, when your sympathetic nervous system's revved up, the thinking brain literally kind of shuts off and lets the amygdala take over. So your body can just respond to keep you safe. Um, it's a self-protective mechanism. But sometimes we got to tell our brain, hey, no, we're okay. So we breathe deep and it sends those signals to the brain saying, okay, we can calm down. And you'll find that as you breathe slow and deep, those physical symptoms do start to ease. And so your body will start to calm down and then you can begin to think more logically about whatever the situation is that's causing you anxiety, whatever is happening around you, and you can work through and manage it better that way. But yeah, physically there's a physiological reaction that happens when we're anxious that I don't think we always think about because we think, Oh, it's all in our mind. It's just our thoughts. And we're just worried when really there's a, a literal physical thing happening that we need to manage as well, not just in our thoughts, but to manage that. And breathing is a huge part. At least I have found it to be a huge part of it for me. Yeah. And I've heard that many places, but I love, you did a great job explaining it there. Cause I think, and you said you're not an expert, but I mean, you sound, <laughs> sound like you know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> um, but that is, that is great. That's great information. And um, I just am curious. So you talked about how your daughter initially was the one to be diagnosed with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Then you kind of looked at yourself. Isn't that how it works? Our kids are like these little like mirrors <laughs> I know. that God uses to like yeah. reflect where we need attention. And mm -hmm. so I'm just curious what that looked like and kind of what your personal experience has been with anxiety. I've also struggled sure. with anxiety and, um, and just how breath prayer specifically helped mm -hmm. you in that area. Sure. Well, I can look back now and I can see that I have struggled with anxiety my whole life. Like I can look back when I was a teenager and in school and I, I know I had anxiety back then, although I never named it anxiety. Um, for me, I would be what's called high functioning anxiety. Uh, mine masks really a lot as overworking, perfectionism, people pleasing to the extreme. Like I just wanting to control everything in my life, making plans, a million lists, a million, so I can prepare for absolutely anything that might happen. Um, and so I, I did have moments where my physical symptoms of anxiety would rev up and I didn't know how to manage it properly. I, I was, I, I'm just an emotional person. I just react really emotionally to things, you know? And so and not until we were started learning more about what anxiety really is in the body with my daughter and trying to help her manage it. I'm like, yeah, I think I might have a problem with anxiety. And I think I've been ignoring it, avoiding it, denying it, pushing it to the side for years. And a lot of that was actually rooted in, believe it or not, my faith, because I had read all these verses, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about anything. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. And 
when I interpreted those growing up, it was more of a, a command. You better not do this or you must not be living your faith properly. You're either not trusting God enough. You're not praying the right way or enough. Something in your faith is lacking if you're still feeling anxious because the Bible says don't be anxious. So you shouldn't be anxious if you're really following Christ the way you should. And so there was a lot of guilt there when I would feel anxious. I'm like, well, I must not. I must not be praying enough. I must not be trusting God enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not, there's something I'm doing wrong because I'm still feeling anxious. But it wasn't until I realized, no, I have anxiety. Anxiety in of itself is not my enemy. For a long time, it was my enemy. It's something I had to figure out how to, to conquer. I had, it was a roadblock I had to get over somehow so that I could then have the full life that Christ promised. I'm doing something wrong in my faith life if I'm still struggling with anxiety. It's this big block. But what I've really discovered is it, it isn't that enemy. I mean, anxiety has a purpose in my life it, physically. Like it's it's there to protect me and keep me safe. Mine is dysregulated. Mine revs up for things that it doesn't need to be revved up for. And I didn't identify it and manage it properly. And so it just kind of spirals. I spiral into worst case scenarios or spiral into worry real quick. And so when I, what happened was I shifted how I viewed those verses in scripture. As we walked through anxiety with my daughter, I recognized God is our heavenly father and he loves us so, so much. Just like I love my daughter so much. And when she comes to me in the middle of the night, or when they, when she comes to me afraid or scared or super anxious or panicking, I don't yell at her and get mad at her because she's feeling that way. I wrap her in my arms and I remind her, you're safe. I'm right here. You're not alone. It's okay. You don't have to be afraid. And so when we read those verses about be anxious for nothing, don't worry about anything, do not fear, don't be afraid. It's not a voice of condemnation that God's saying that with. It's with a voice of compassion and love. And he's wrapping us in his arms in those verses and saying, listen, I know you're going to feel these ways. You're going to have anxiety and you're going to worry and you're going to be afraid, but I'm here with you. So you don't have to be, I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. I'm right here and I love you. You don't have to be afraid no matter what comes. And so it's not a condemnation that, oh, you're, you're anxious. You're doing something wrong in your faith. It's more an invitation of, okay, if you're afraid or worried, turn to me because I'm right here. Come to me and I'll give you rest. I can give you peace. And so when I shifted how I thought about anxiety, it kind of shifted everything for me. I could let go of all that shame, all the guilt, because I recognized it for what it was. I began managing it more in more healthy ways. And I began, began, began using it as a prompt to turn my heart to Christ in those moments, to turn my mind to him. Breath prayer helped me do that. Um, and like I said, when I first learned about it, I tucked it away. I wrote down some breath prayers. I tried it a few times. I'm like, oh, this is so great. And I really did love it. I wrote a little blog post about it because I loved it so much. But I didn't use it consistently in my life until last year. My daughter was hospitalized for multiple health reasons. She was very, very sick. Um, and she was in the hospital for a considerable amount of time. And I remember that first night when she was admitted, I had taken her to the ER I didn't know what all was wrong. Um, they ended up admitting her to the children's hospital. They wheeled us up to the fourth floor, um, middle of the night. It's like 2 a.m. She finally fell asleep. The room's dark. 
just from what we had uncovered that night, I was so overwhelmed by what we were facing. I didn't know how the next few days were going to unfold. I didn't know. She's hooked a heart monitor and I'm hearing this beeping and it's just so overwhelming. Um, I had no words to pray. I had not, I felt like I had already prayed all the prayers I knew to pray. I had nothing left. I was just overwhelmed with fear and worry and anxiety and I could feel myself spiraling. I was breathing heavily. I was crying. I couldn't catch my breath. I was shaking all over as I laid down on that little vinyl couch. And I couldn't think. I'm like, I don't, I don't have anything else to say to you, God. I don't know. I don't know how to walk this. I don't know what to do here. And at that moment, and I can't explain it other than the Holy Spirit, bringing to my mind one of those breath prayers that I had tucked away months before. It's just straight from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And that is the only thing I could think of at the moment. So I told myself, okay, I'm just going to try this. So I inhaled slowly. The Lord is my shepherd. And as I breathed out, I said, I have all that I need. And I just kept repeating that inhaling. The Lord is my shepherd and exhaling. I have all that I need. And as I slowed my breathing, I could literally feel the physical symptoms start to calm. I stopped shaking. I was able to kind of quiet the cries and the tears and the unable to catch my breath because I was catching my breath. I was slowing my breathing. And then I focused on that scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. He loves us. He's caring for us. Even here in this hospital room, even in the darkest of this night, he's right here with us, holding us. And I have all that I need. I don't need the answers to all the questions. I don't need to know how the next few days, months ahead are going to play out. I have Christ. I'm safe in his arms. I have all that I need. And I just focused my mind on that truth. And I let his peace fill my heart. And I knew, okay, no matter what comes tomorrow, it's going to be okay because I've got Christ. And so I was able to fall asleep. And the next day, my anxiety was back up again. <laughs> the doctors came in and things unfolded and I was anxious again and I felt it revving up again. And so I would pray that breath prayer. And through that whole hospital stay, through all those weeks, I mean, every time I would feel overwhelmed, I would start to get, I would just breathe a breath prayer and I would walk the halls, circling the halls, breathing and praying, praying and breathing. Breath prayers became my lifeline mm -hmm. at that moment, at that time, in that season. And I have clung to them ever since through all the months that came and all the hard days that followed and all the uncertainty that we're still walking through. Breath prayers allow me to calm my body while focusing my mind on Christ. And it has really helped me to manage what felt like overwhelming anxiety that I didn't know what to do with. And I was able to kind of shift it and turn it, respond to it in a different way, rather than spiraling into panic and worry and just uncontrollable tears and crying to flip it and respond to it by praying a prayer and focusing my mind on truth. Did it take away all the stress and the anxiety? No. Did it cure everything? No. Did it change my circumstances? No, but it changed my mindset toward my circumstances. And so um, that's how breath prayers have really helped me. And I found that if I, if I start my day with breath prayer, it helps me through the day because then I'm repeating that little prayer through the day. Mm -hmm. It's tucking truth in my heart. It's reminding me to shift my focus on what is true, what I know, because my feelings can get so overwhelming and our feelings are real. They are very real. And I don't want to discount our feelings, but our feelings don't always tell the truth. And so if we can 
turn our hearts toward truth and really root ourselves in that, it will help us through those times of anxiety and those times of stress and those times when we don't know what's to come. We can't see the next step forward. And so I wrote this book. This book came out of those really, really hard days. In fact, I got the, as I'm sitting in the hospital next to hers, when I got the email from an editor saying they had read that little blog post I wrote months ago and Hey, we think this would make a great book. Can you write about this? And my first answer was, no, I can't. I've got a daughter in the hospital and I'm not an author. I draw pictures and do graphic design. I am not a writer. I can't write a whole book, especially now, especially this season, because it was so uncertain the months ahead. I'm like, there's no way I can make this kind of commitment and write a book. Are you kidding? Nobody's going to want to read my writing. But God wouldn't let me let it go because I think he knew I needed the breath prayers to get through what was coming. And so the this book came, it was birthed from the hardest season of my life when I literally was at my weakest. And so I give God all glory for anything that came through that. So, but that's how breath prayers got me through. That is, that's incredible, Jen. And I just really, um, what I love so much is your perspective on not looking at anxiety as something not looking at it as an uh something that that you need to get rid of in mm -hmm. order to live the abundant life because i think so often for so many of us we get into this um i don't know i'll call it the prosperity gospel mentality mm -hmm. of you know that that abundant life means problem free life and that's counter to scripture in this mm -hmm. world you will have trouble but take yes. heart I have overcome the world and so it's this once again upside down logic mm -hmm. of Jesus that it is these things it's Paul's thorn in his flesh that he asked I mean it doesn't mean we can't say God take this anxiety away this is hard it, we can ask and sometimes he might mm -hmm. but when we ask and we ask and we ask and it doesn't go away then we we come to this place that you're talking about of okay your power is made perfect in my weakness therefore i'm going to use this as an opportunity to turn to you that is powerful mm -hmm. and just to hear you talk about that in such um real terms with you know anyone who's a parent knowing that that had to be one of the absolute hardest things you've ever done is sit there next to your daughter without knowing what the future holds and so um that is, that is so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so the, um, the actual breath prayers, you mentioned the, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Are there other prayers? Is this something you can make up? Is this something that you have? I know your book talks a lot about it. So could you just kind of give us an overview of like, maybe walk us through a breath prayer and sure kind of what that might look like for someone. Yeah. Well, breath prayers, I mean, there, there's a lot of them and you really can write your own. The basics of it is it's just very simple, usually just two lines, a simple sentence. Um, some of my breath prayers in my book are four lines. So you would inhale and exhale twice for them. 
But all the ones in, I have found the most helpful breath prayers for me are the ones that I take straight from God's word. I take a verse in scripture and then write a breath prayer from that. I take God's words that he's given us when I have no words to pray. God's given us a book full of his words that I can pray right back to him. And so that's what I do. And that's what I've done. Like with Psalm 23, Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And all you do is break it into just small segments and you breathe in, inhale for the first line and exhale for the second line. And you just repeat that as you're slowing your breathing, you're, you're praying to the rhythm of your breath, the rhythm of your inhales and exhales. And yeah, I mean, uh, there's 84 of them in my book. So that's what the most of the book is just full of breath prayers with a little bit of a reflection about each one. Um, and then the verse that, that, that breath prayer came from what it's rooted in. Um, but yeah, you can, as you read scripture and now, now when I read the Bible, I'm seeing breath prayers everywhere. I'm like, oh, that would be a good breath prayer. Oh, that would make a good one. So yeah, you can, um, you can really make them as personal and specific as you want, or a prayer to God. That's really special to you that you just want to turn into a breath prayer that you can meditate on and focus on in times of anxiety. And so, yeah, I would encourage anyone to, yeah, write your own and pray the prayers that are personal to you. Um, but yeah, I can, um, like one of the um, breath prayers I have in here is from Psalm 130, verse 5, 130, verse 5. And it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, I hope. And so based on that verse, my breath prayer I wrote was, I wait for the Lord, my I wait for you, Lord, sorry, my hope is in your word. And so I flip the verse around to talk to God, and I'm like, I'm waiting for you, Lord, my hope is in your word. I prayed this one so much as we were waiting through the unknown and in seasons of waiting when it's so hard. I wait for you, Lord. My hope is in your word. And as I focus on that and meditate on that verse, his word and his promises that are in his word, that's where my hope is found. My hope isn't found in some expected outcome or some desired thing that I want to happen. My hope is in him. And so by, by, focusing on that truth and reminding my soul that no matter what the circumstances around me look like, no matter how long I have to wait here in this season, I still have hope because I still have him and my hope is in his word. And so, yeah, there's a ton of different breath prayers in this, in this book, but yeah, you can make up your own and make it as personal as you want for sure. That's great. And is this something that you shared with your daughter? Do kids, could kids do this also? Is this something you can teach kids? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I have a friend who uh, reached out to me and she said that her daughter, young daughter, like seven years old, I think, was struggling with nightmares at night and struggling with just a lot of intrusive thoughts and things. And um, she said she started doing breath prayers with her daughter, helping her to calm her breathing and repeat words of scripture. And she said it has helped them so much. And it's become a neat bedtime routine that they've started praying a breath prayer before bed and help calm her daughter before bed. And I thought, gosh, that's such a great, great idea. And I wish I had I had that back in the day when my girls were little and started that kind of helping them understand those emotions, what, what anxiety is, recognizing those symptoms in their body, and then responding in such a helpful way where we're breathing deep, 
and then turning our hearts to Christ. And yeah, I shared this with her. I've shared the whole thing with her, anything I share about her, she's, she knows. Um, and I'm very sensitive to that because her story is, is her story. And there's parts that I will not share publicly, um, because I want to honor her and her journey. Um, but yeah, breathing exercises for her. And I will say this, the, the breath work itself for her, especially when she's having a panic attack are not always helpful because when she focuses on her breathing, it actually makes her panic that she's not doing it right. Or she's, you know, about her breathing. And so for, it may not help absolutely everybody, the breath work, depending on, um, your own nervous system and how you process that. Um, so I would, if you're having a lot of trouble with anxiety, extreme anxiety or panic attacks, I would definitely consult a professional, um, and really work with a therapist or work with a professional to help you find the strategies that work best for you. Um, breath prayer has been a huge help for me. It does help me so much. Um, whereas it may not have helped. My daughter has other strategies that work really well for her. Now, prayer to me, prayer helps absolutely anybody. It's never a bad idea to turn your heart to Christ, but incorporating it with breathing may not help you if, if it stresses you out more. <laughs> so knowing your own body and your own, but it's worth a try. It might help you. It helped me so, so much. And that's really what this is, is just, Hey, this helped me so much here, here it is. Maybe it'll help you too. Um, so yeah, but I think with kids, I think it'd be great because they are simple. They're short mm-hmm. prayers and it, very easy to learn and it tucks the God's word in their heart, teaches them to that they can calm their body whenever they're feeling overwhelmed by breathing slowly. And I think it's just, it's great. It's a great strategy overall. Yeah. I love that. Even when there's not like an acute anxiety issue happening, mm-hmm. just to bring that sense of calmness to mm-hmm. bedtime, especially because we struggle with racing thoughts and intrusive thoughts and just Mm -hmm. hard to fall asleep with our kids. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in this world, this world is so busy and it's literally trained our brains to Mm -hmm. be, to have a short attention span, to have a racing mind. Mm -hmm. And so this could be a great tool just for every day, whether you struggle with anxiety or just live in this world. Absolutely. Yeah. A wonderful way. to kind of bring that meditation. And you talked about your prayer closet and just needing to refocus on God. It would be a great way to just start start mm-hmm. that prayer time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you um do you feel like in general you touched on this before that just mental health in general is kind of almost a taboo subject in in the Christian community, in the kind of modern Christian culture today, um, do you feel like, I guess two questions, do you feel like, uh, well, you obviously, obviously feel like that is the case. So why do you think that is? And how do you think, what steps do we need to take to make it better, to change it? Yeah, I definitely think it's, it's something we need to focus on. Um, and I don't think I realize just how much It was until we entered our own journey with mental health, you know, and and deep, deep in it. Um, And if we found more support and help outside the church than we did within, and that was really just disheartening. But I don't blame anyone. I think it's really, it's hard because I think it deals with the brain and the mind, which is extremely complex. Um, Scientists and doctors are just barely scratching the surface of understanding the brain and how it works. And so... um, 
so often when we don't understand something, we we don't we just don't address it or we don't go there because we don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. So we just well we'll just avoid that area because well it's kind of mushy ground. And there are verses that say be anxious for nothing, don't worry about anything, you know. So it's like, but we conflate that um, mental health conditions are health conditions, just as like a kidney condition or, you know, any other condition in your body. Um, And it is complicated because it does involve the mind and it does is impacted by our thoughts and it is, you know, it's all tied in there together and intertwined. And so it is complicated. Um, And each individual person who's struggling with a mental health condition has their own struggles and battles with that. And a lot of times we don't, it's hard. There's a stigma surrounding mental health just in general in our society. So sharing about that, hey, I struggle with my mental health is kind of hard to say. It's hard to put it into words. It's hard to put it out there because you don't know what people say or will you be accepted? Is this a safe place to express that, hey, I'm really struggling in this area. And in churches, we're afraid all we're going to get back is, well, you just need to pray about that, or you just need to trust God more, or you just need to give it to him. And then you won't worry about that. That's all up in your head. Like if you're just worried too much, um, without understanding that, no, there's physical symptoms, there's a literal physiological thing happening. And sometimes that is out of our control. It just as much as like, if you had a heart disease, that's not something I can just regulate by willpower alone or by prayer. Yes, we should pray. God is the miracle worker. He is good and kind. And yes, he can work a miracle and cure you. Absolutely. He can. And we should pray for healing, but does he always give us the healing we pray for? Those who have battle with cancer, long-term disease, or chronic pain know this struggle that you can pray, 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 and have deep, strong faith, and God may not heal you. What do you do with that? What do you do when the suffering doesn't end, when the healing doesn't come, when you pray and that answer isn't, that prayer isn't answered the way you wanted it to, or you expected it to, or you thought God should? you're doing the things the church says to do. You're praying, you're reading the Bible, you're, you know, following the rules, quote unquote, and yet you're still struggling, yet the pain still happens, yet it's not going away, yet the hard times still come. And I think that's where we're lacking. I think a lot of, we have a lot of prosperity gospel going on in American churches. A lot of this, if you just trust God enough, you just pray enough, all this good will come. That's not scripture. And that's not what God says. He says, you're going to struggle. You're going to suffer. You're going to have hard time. This life is not going to be easy. But what he does promise is the miracle that we all need. And the only one we really need is he is with us through it all. And he's going to walk with us through it. It's not that it will go away, but he's going to be with us through it. And that's what changes everything. And so mental health in the church, I think it changes when we really start listening to the stories of those who struggle with it, really start opening our minds and our hearts to those who, who are living that journey and walking that life, because it's not your struggles with mental health are not a reflection of your faith or your level of faith in God Mm. at all. You can have deep faith in God and still struggle. In fact, I think a lot of times our struggles are what deepen our faith. They're they're what shows us what we really believe and, and uproot all the fluff and stuff that we like to cover our lives with. And it shows, hey, listen, I'm really struggling. 
I need God. It shows our need for God and it turns us to him and it draws us to him. And so I don't think it's something we should be ashamed of. I wish we would talk more about it and share more about it. So people knew that they're safe to share. This is a safe place. Our church should be the first place people go who are struggling with mental health Mm -hmm. because they need that support. They need to know that God is a God who loves them right where they are and meets them right where they are and wants to wrap them in his arms and say, I'm with you. Even in this, I'm with you. And so um, I don't know what the steps are to get there. I really think it starts with listening. I think it starts with just putting our own experiences aside and recognizing that another person's lived experience might be different than mine and listen to their struggles, listen to their heart and meet them where they are like God would do and love them right there and see that, you know, we're not all that different. Their struggles might be different than mine, but we all need Jesus and we're all right there together. And so, um, I just, I wish mental health was just treated the same as health because <laughs> it is just, it's our health and, um, it's going to be dysregulated and it's going to be prone to problems because we live in a sinful, broken world. And our bodies aren't functioning the way God originally designed them to, but we have hope because one day, one day we'll get that new body. One day he's going to make all things right again, and he's going to undo all the sickness and all the pain. And that's our true hope. But to, to meet people where they are, where they're struggling, I think is so important. Even if we don't understand it, we can still meet them where they are. Oh, yeah, that is so good. And I think you just hit the nail on the head that what one of the things that needs to change is we need to stop looking, we meaning the church with a capital C, stop looking at people who struggle with mental health issues as being less Mm -hmm. in some way. And to look at them, like you said, like someone who struggles with diabetes or uh, cancer or uh, any other kind of of ailment of the body um, because I think there has been this idea that people who struggle with mental health issues, if they were stronger Mm -hmm. in their mind or in their spirit, they could overcome this or if they were open to God intervening and that's simply not the case. I think the flip side of that is I think that sometimes we go too far on the other side where, where we're just like, well, Prayer, prayer isn't going to help that, but sure. prayer helps no matter what. I Absolutely, mean, no matter where you are. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. walking proof that no matter. I've, I think I've experienced a, a broad spectrum of anxiety from just regular day to day worry up mm-hmm. to you know panic attacks and connecting with God always helps no matter where you are on that journey of of mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that that's the only step, though. Sure. And so, but yeah, yeah, but, but prayer always absolutely helps. God always meets you in some way where you are. So yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Cause he may not bring the healing you so want or take away whatever that is that's happening, but by prayer through prayer, we are turning our mind to him and reminding our own soul that we're not alone in this and that he's with us and reminding our hearts of the truth that we can cling to and the hope that we have in him. And that is powerful. And it it does change things. It may not eliminate your anxiety, but 
you bring God into it and you will be able to experience peace even in the midst of it, which is hard to comprehend, but it, it can happen. That's what God can do. That, when that we is pray. a miracle in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is really good. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share about your book, about your message, anything you want to leave us with, leave the listener with who's, <laughs> who's interested in breath, in breath prayer? Um, I would say just, you know, give it a try, see if it helps you. Um, it's really simple and easy to do. If you struggle with anxiety and worry, um, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. So many of us battle it. And I think a lot of us don't talk about it, but um, it's okay. God is not mad at you for being anxious. He's not waiting to strike you down when you're afraid. Um, he's just has his arms open wide saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. So we just turn to him and he does offer peace. If we'll turn to him in those times, don't ignore your body and the symptoms going on. Breath prayer is not a cure for anxiety. It's not a replacement for professional help. If you need it, don't be afraid to ask for help, to seek help. If you're struggling in a severely enough that it's impacting your everyday life, it's okay to get help. Um, I love Jesus with all my heart, but I see a therapist regularly. I take antidepressants because they help me manage my depression. Um, There are things I do medically to help care for my body that God gave me, but I also pray and I trust him and I do these breath prayers and I read scripture. So there's, there's no one thing that's the fix all, but maybe breath prayer can be a tool that will help you along the way that will help ease your anxiety while also strengthening your faith. So I hope, I hope that's true for you anyway. Well, I love it. I'm, I'm excited to start and to do it with my kids at bedtime. I think (laughs) this is wonderful. So this has been such a good conversation, Jen. Thank you for joining us. And is there, uh, where can listeners find your book and Mm -hmm. hang out with you on social media and find your other stuff? I'm excited to look into some of your artistic work as well. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. My regular website is littlehousestudio.net, but you might, the easiest way to get there is just go to breathasprayer.com. That's the book page. And from there, you can link to all my other pages and find me on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. But yeah. All right. Well, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this up in prayer. Um, I would just say continue to pray for my family. I can't share all the details publicly, but there we're facing some circumstances that are challenging. And um, I am not too, (laughs) I'm not too proud to ask for prayer because we definitely need it. All right. Well, we will pray. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Jen and just her willingness to share some really hard times that she's gone through and and just the ways that you have equipped her with your word and just with tools to draw her close to you and and just being able to share those with all of us. I know for a fact that there are women that needed to hear what Jen had to say today. And we just thank you for her courage in sharing. We pray your blessing on her, God, just um, on her book. We pray that it would go out to more women and men than she could ever have imagined that you would allow people to find a lifeline 
in her book, in, in the practice of breath prayer, um, and most of all, just find a, a, a direct line to you. I pray that people who wouldn't normally pray would start to pray and would find Jesus through this book and through Jen's message. I pray that people who felt hopeless would find hope and healing through this practice and through this book. And we just ask that you would bless it and just anoint it and send it out. And just like the loaves and fish, God, that she would just put it out there and you would just multiply in abundance. And we know you will do that, God. Thank you so much. Lord, we lift up Jen and her family. We know that you know the unspoken prayers that she has in her heart, the needs, the deep needs, um, the things that need to be ministered to. Lord, we lift them up to you now, knowing that you are the great physician. You are Jehovah Jireh, the almighty God who provides. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals and that you are more creative than we could ever hope to be in the ways that you answer our prayers. And even when things look like they're not moving or they're moving backwards, God, you are in it. And we praise you for being the God who moves, the God who sees, the God who hears, and the God who loves. We just pray that you would meet Jennifer and her family right now where they are and just help them to have eyes to see your hand at work in their lives and in these unspoken prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.